Good evening from Kenya and Africa. This is Kevin Smith and um, my wife Miriam and I are so grateful for your support over the many years that we've been in Africa. Um, I was supposed to travel this week to be with you guys live and in person and I guess you're not meeting either. Um, my, how things have changed. This coronavirus thing has really brought a lot of change. And I just want to remind you of the fact that our God does not change. He is everlasting love, the same yesterday, today, and will be into the future forever. And um, I hope you got a chance to watch our little four-minute video of what you've been supporting us to do in Africa. Um, there are so many little pieces that I want to refer to that you will, you'll see in that video. You guys have been faithful supporters and one of our best supporting churches. Thank you, Pastor John and now Pastor Michael. We are so grateful to the missions team and all of you guys who pray for us and support us. I am really sorry that I can't be with you. It would be really fun to, to be there and, and see so many of our friends there. Um, but we'll get another chance. I'm sure this thing will blow over one of these days. And uh, it's a joy for me to have a chance to talk to you from across the ocean on the other side of the African continent in Kenya. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. I have it written here, verse 16. It goes like this. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's children should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Miriam and I both grew up in Africa and have um, dedicated our lives to living here and working here as well. We absolutely love it. But our hearts are often touched by the poverty and the brokenness that we've seen all around us, from the Horn of Africa down into Kenya. We'd like to fix everything. We'd like to be able to um, throw money at something and make it better. And uh, we just have realized and are very well aware of how broken that we ourselves are. And often, probably like you do, seek healing in areas of your life, in our physical bodies, also in our personality glitches, in our relationships with each other, with our children, with our colleagues, with our parents. Life just needs a lot of grace and a lot of healing. And as we look around at the communities that we work in and the land that we live on, the politics that we've been surrounded by, we hear of wars and disasters and droughts and floods and all around the world today, this coronavirus diseases. It's exactly what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, when he said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. As you look around, it looks like the world's in a huge mess and in a constant downward spiral. We've seen all kinds of injustice and corruption. Many of you who might remember from when I was there last, the stories of the injustice of the pastors in Eritrea, many of which are still in prison today from 2004. They've never been given a trial. They've never been to court. In Kenya, 
up in the north especially we face Islamic terrorism on a regular basis and it's taken the lives of some of our co-workers um, not too long ago we lost a pastor in Moyale who was shot and killed and it's prevented advancement of the kingdom into some of the most dangerous areas but Jesus comes along in the second half of that verse and he says but I have come that you would have life and that it would be more abundant I'm convinced that everything needs the healing touch of God's presence and in very real and very tangible ways. And to us, that's what missions is all about. You see, there is a drastic contrast and conflict between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. There's this thread through the scriptures, this meta-narrative, the big story of the Bible, if you will, where there's the conflict between the kingdom of Babylon and the kingdom of God. The worship of idols versus the worship of the one true God. In Babylon, people who worship false gods were always led to injustice and to the mistreatment of others. Look around. It's true today. People who worship the false gods of money and sex and power, they're always the very same people who use and abuse and mistreat the people around them. But learn to worship the one true and living God? And we will learn what restorative justice is. We will learn what merciful love is. And we'll learn to treat others around us well. And I think that's what Jesus came to earth to show us how to do as he laid down his life. But we so quickly overlook his demonstration of how he lived. Look at it in, in the Apostles' Creed, if you will. It's been handed down to us from generation to generation and... You probably know it very well. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And then it skips his whole life, dot, 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 and goes right to he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. All things are true, but what about his life? What about his compassion? What about his demonstration of healing? What about his Sermon on the Mount? What about the be attitudes, how to be, his healing, his commandments, his teaching, his form of justice? In Matthew chapter 12, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled about him, where God is quoted, he said, I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will reign, he will restore, he will redeem, he will heal a world, a sick world that's gone all wrong. You see, he's a healing presence. And he shows us what justice is. He fulfills the prophets of Amos and Micah, and he shows us how to live out chapter 6, verse 8, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. So the cool thing is that we get to be engaged in, in God's mission to do justice. What are those acts of justice? Well, hopefully you saw some of them in our video where we get to do transformational development projects. We call them boreholes or water wells and bring clean water to people and restore lives and see land restored and food distribution and all kinds of personal transformation and discipleship as well as finding solutions that affect poverty and pollution. You see, I think if you sacrifice of your time and your talents and your treasures to touch people, you do justice, you love mercy, and you walk with God. 
Our desire is to see Jesus the Christ, the Prince of Peace, glorified in the lives of people all around us, worshipped by every tribe and every tongue in every language. In Africa, 60% of the population are children. So we focus a lot of our attention on issues that bring healing and discipleship and opportunity to the next generation. We partner with churches and pastors and missionaries to do projects that bring restoration and healing. In Eden, we have a major focus on tree planting. Why? Because not all the world is as beautiful as your part of Illinois is, with its beautiful lakes and rivers and streams and your millions of trees. In fact, in our part of the world, if you could look over the hills just beyond there, you could see just how many trees have been cut um, to make charcoal and used as fence posts. And they don't have any, um, oftentimes, any thought of replanting. So what happens is the rain comes and washes off the topsoil in the floods or in the droughts they lose their their crops because the rain patterns change see when you live off the land you're always just one season away from disaster and imagine nobody i know uses um locally uses grass in in a lawn in front of them they all plant even if they have an eighth of an acre they plant fruit vegetables and fruit trees and anything they can to survive you see, trees and their roots and their fruits have been highly symbolic in cultures around the world. In the verses we just read, Paul likens the love of Christ to the incredibly rich soil in which each of us as God's children are planted. It is sometimes far too easy for us to take trees and their root systems for granted. Look around. I wish you could go outside. I don't know where you're watching, but if you could go out and, and, and pick your favorite tree in your garden or... Um, uh, in your favorite park but if you can see the trees behind me you, you just take a moment and pause thinking about those notice them take a deep breath they're beautiful they're strong and they take in the carbon dioxide that we breathe out and produce the oxygen that we breathe in you see trees are a symbol of life and health and strength and in the bible we first see the tree of life right at the very beginning in genesis chapter 2 it's placed right there at the center of the garden amongst all the other fruit bearing and life-giving trees and man's first vocation the first job he was given was to tend and care and steward that garden and then at the end of the story we see again the tree of life in the book of revelation it's planted by the river of living water and it is for anyone who will eat of it Think of that in a missiological way, in, in, in what we're doing for missions together. And as we, trace, as we trace that thread through the scriptures, this tree of life is sometimes described as the tree of the lamb in some of er the early manuscripts of Revelation. There's so much meaning here. I like to put the, the two together. What is the tree of life? It is the tree of the lamb. What image does that bring to your mind? Of course it does. The cross of Jesus Christ. Not just some piece of dead lumber used to take life in a vicious Roman punishment system. No, to me it is the very center, the center point of all that history points to and looks back at. Jesus upon the cross. Arms spread wide, welcoming, inviting, pleading. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. With Easter just two weeks away. 
I love the words of Brad Jursak when he says, The cross reveals God as self-giving, radically forgiving, co-suffering love. The cross reveals God as self-giving, radically forgiving, co-suffering love. Jesus himself in John 15 says, No greater love has no one than this, than that you lay down your life for your friend. You see, love is the power, it's the force, it's the energy, if you will, behind all of life. And in Jesus' resurrection, the tree of the Lamb, the cross, becomes the tree of life. And it bears fruit from which you and I and all the world can be abundantly nourished. Just as we accept Christ Jesus as Lord and trust Him, allowing the roots of our lives to grow down deep into His unfathomable love, we experience the cross as a living tree. And we come to have life from that tree. And this is the gospel. This is the truth that we take to the nations. See, at the end of Revelation, John sees the tree of life planted, growing, rooted strong on both banks of the river of living water. And he refers to the prophecy of Ezekiel, saying that the leaves of this tree have a purpose. It actually says, the leaves are used as medicine to heal the nations. What an appropriate verse for this time. And we who have already eaten from this tree of life, we always have to have a heart to love others as God loves, to heal and to restore and to give life to all things. How do we do that? Well, I've come to realize that love is very inconvenient. It's difficult. It takes something. It's a challenge. You know, I've looked often at the American dream, which we know is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But somewhere along the way, so many of us lost track of that. And it moved to life as comfortable and convenience. Well, we've been incredibly inconvenienced lately. And this coronavirus is actually showing us just how little control we have over our lives and how much we can actually do without. You see, I think we need to make the fruit of love a priority in our hearts and in our homes for your neighbors and for the nations. Jesus showed us how to do that. He always went out of his way for the outcast, the separated, the ignored, and he loves them. He inconvenienced himself dramatically to free them. Miriam and I have been trying to listen carefully to God's heartbeat. We keep hearing the themes of healing brokenness, bringing wholeness, making peace. The verses from Isaiah 58 keep running through our minds and it says this, If you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, and then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will be like the midday. Then Adonai will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins, will raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repairer of the breach, restorer of streets, for dwelling. This to me is the love of God, worked out on earth. I want to thank you for helping us to reach East Africa and to be a part of our, our team that, that uh, helps us to live and work here. And I just want to close with this old hymn, The Love of God. It says, How rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure. 
the saints and angels song. Imagine with me, if you will, the second verse of that hymn. It says, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made were every stalk, every piece of grass on earth a quill and every man and woman a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky, the love of God. How rich, how pure, how measureless, how strong it will forevermore endure. The saints and angels song. God bless you this week. Make a difference in your world.